documented 25 seconds. 20 seconds and counting. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. As Apollo 11 does its roll program, this podcast now does its roll program. The tape is rolling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. My name is Grant Cameron, and you're listening to the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. Thank you for taking time from your life to be here. Today on my podcast, I have a very special guest. I've been uh, friends with uh, my friend Walter Rooker for a number of years. There's a couple of subjects that I find very key to the UFO field. I started in UFOs. I started the UFO sighting stuff, the government conspiracy stuff. And over the years, I realized there was a bunch of subjects that came up that were very, very important that I thought were sort of the answer to maybe what's going on in ufology. If you understood these things, you could understand the bottom underlying uh, how reality works, what's actually going on here. Because the UFO phenomena just simply shows that there's something weird. There's an anomaly which shows us that we've got something wrong. Now, some of the stories that I've been following, and Walter worked on one of them with me, and that's the connection between DNA and consciousness. We won't get into it today. Uh, there may be a connection between DNA and consciousness. So I was working on that. The other thing people know that I've, I've pushed is the idea of the blindfolds. There's a bunch of trainers around the world uh, training blind people, young children, this thing of seeing through the blindfold. And people can say they're peeking or whatever you want to say. But if they are looking through the blindfold and if these kids can hear a mile away like they say they can hear, this is something that we should be studying. And people really aren't studying it. They aren't studying the DNA thing. The other one I have is, is um, radios. I just did a three and a half hour um, session that I'm going to put on the podcast uh, with uh, what they call the, sometimes people call it the C6 initiative. And that is the use of radios. This is a radio ham radio guy, an expert on radios who developed a technique of using radios to make communication. He's like 100% successful. It's absolutely a stunning story of how this guy developed this uh, whole technique using these high powered antennas and then moving down to small antennas where um, he can actually get communication with some sort of intelligence, whether this is the ET intelligence, whatever. And um, so I've followed that story. But again, it's a story that may take years for people to catch on. The story we're going to talk about today with Walter is one that when I first saw it, I said, this is important. This is key to understanding what's going on. And that is the thing of physical mediumship. Now, a lot of people just say, ah, you know, just sort of slough it off. It's, you know, it's woo-woo, it's, it's stuff. But if you realize what's actually going on and that this is probably legitimate stuff and what people are doing, you suddenly realize that this is going to answer a lot of questions about how things work because we have, we have a lot of things that we're making assumptions on. So welcome, Walter, and thank you for being your, my advisor on this. I think you first contacted me. You can tell the story. You first contacted me. I got into the physical mediumship, and I was talking about it, and you were trying to make contact with me and say, you should actually talk to somebody who's been in a, a physical medium seance, 
and you have a collection. So what you've done for people who don't know Walter, you've got a collection of all sorts of stuff. Um, you've got this huge collection on physical mediumship. You're probably one of the the foremost authorities in the world in terms of collecting all this material, the same as I collect material. You have a, a whole collection on Bashar, which we will have a podcast session on Bashar. You've got a massive collection, maybe the biggest collection on Bashar. Uh, direct voice uh, phenomena, you've got a huge collection on that. And I remember just a couple of weeks ago, my assistant Sinead came to you and said, Hey, Walter, what do you got on Area 51? And you went to your little collection and sent a bunch of videos and, and interviews and stuff like that, stuff I'd never seen before. So um, Walter is definitely my advisor on physical mediumship. And we'll get into, uh, he's going to talk about what this is. And we're going to find out why this is important. And and, and then we're going to talk about uh, what Walter's doing. You're going to run a, a session, a special session to try to move this subject forward. So let's start. And maybe start by sort of giving a little background on how you got into this and particularly to tell people why is it important that they should pay attention to what's going on inside physical mediumship? Well, you know, we talked a little bit about this uh, before the start of the, of the podcast here, Grant, and it, it's really kind of funny. Uh, I had no idea what physical mediumship was. I was familiar with mental mediumship, uh, John Edward, um, uh, the hundreds of, of mental mediums that are now all over the airwaves, both TV and radio. Cindy Caza is, is one that, that uh, I've seen in person. And I understood the connection between spirits speaking through individuals to members of family, where you would have uh, people in an audience, the mental medium on the stage, what they call the platform. And um, the mental medium would point somebody to the audience and say, I have a message for you. It's daddy, it's so-and-so. Do you have somebody that looks like this? And they'd carry on that conversation between the spirit person and the uh, physical person. So that, that was pretty straightforward, real easy to determine whether or not it was accurate or not. I had to listen to the information, listen to the people who that information was going to. And, much of that information was not known to anyone except the individual spirit and the individual physical person, hence really validated. So that was pretty simple stuff. And then one day I was just, you know, doing a Google search on something that had nothing to do with mediumship whatsoever. And I ran across this idea of physical mediumship. And the first thing I started looking for was, you know, present day physical mediums. And I found there are very, very few of those. I was living in Atlanta, the Atlanta Vortex, as Bashar calls it these days. I was in Atlanta at the time, and, um, you know, I, my wife and I were getting cold, you know, during the fall. You know how it is in Atlanta, fall, it's in the 80s. And so we were getting cold, we want to move south. And so I said, okay, let's move south. So we moved south and ended up on the southwest corner of Florida, living several places over here, directly across from Kevin Lee's metaphysical church and his uh, really large and growing physical mediumship uh, sessions that he was having over there. And I mean, I couldn't be, but I was only 125 miles. I found him on the air and air. So long story short was is if it just kind of fell in on me, I, I found it by a Google search that didn't have anything to do with it. The next thing I know, I'm in the middle of a, an area where it's available to me. I've attended at least a couple dozen, maybe up to three dozen uh, physical mediumship seances. 
over there. And I liked one of the words that you used. You said that it's probably real. And that's a very good way of saying it because it probably is real, but it's very, very difficult to determine exactly what real means in physical mediumship. So let's talk a little bit for a second, if I could, about what is physical mediumship. In mental mediumship, you have communication from the spirit person to the physical person through a medium. Uh, some people call that psychics. That's fine, whatever word you want to put. Physical mediumship is a completely different animal. It is a seance setting. That means it's in the dark. That means multiple spirits will come through the physical medium, whoever that physical medium happens to be. There are very few of them. There's only one or two that travel internationally. And with COVID, as you know, Grant, we've got our celebrity seance fun time that we're going to have canceled for this April. And hopefully we'll get it back next April where we can bring in some of these physical mediums to, uh, to sit and seance with us. But you're sitting in the dark. There are voices coming out of all points in space. You're getting touches. You're getting physical feelings from this. You're getting uh, information coming from extraterrestrials. You're getting information coming from a multitude of spirits, including the spirit team of the physical medium. So physical mediumship has the only commonality, as far as I'm concerned, with mental mediumship is the word mediumship. Outside of that, there's not much commonality at all. And it's a completely different environment. And it's so totally esoteric that if you, I don't know how you would go looking for it. It almost has to find you. And as we were discussing before, isn't that so true of a lot of the subjects that are really worth pursuing in ufology, that are really worth pursuing and channeling, is that you got to dig down, do your homework, and go looking in places that make you uncomfortable and be willing to trust your own judgment to throw out that which is of no value to you and retain that that is. But you, it takes an effort and it takes work. And in today's time, I'm not certain many people want to do that, Grant. I, I, I just don't think, we were talking about your Spotify commitment that you that you made and this will probably end up on it's a 40 45 minute segment i mean you i think when you go back checking your stats on that if you can you'll find that there are going to be a number of people who aren't going to make it through 45 45 minutes excuse me 40 or 45 <laughs> uh, 45 minutes uh and you found this with your stats in youtube so we we are dealing with a, a such a, a radically different phenomenon in fiscal mediumship and it's also a radically different uh, set of particular audiences and participants. It's a fun stuff. I wish more people could get to do it. That's the whole idea of trying to bring in attention by bringing people in that have some followership and have some readership into a celebrity style atmosphere. And I use that term very loosely and try to get some more attention to this because if you find that it attracts you, it is absolutely one of the most amazing and, and uh, fun things to archive and to participate in and to study uh, that I have found. Yeah, now you mentioned, and uh, I'd like to elaborate on this point, that it's very rare to, to get a hold of this. So once, even when I learned that physical media proof was there, it's not like you can go downtown to your city and, and observe this. You had set up with um, Kai Muga, who is the famous one from Germany, we can talk a little bit about him and David Thompson. And I was going to come down to Florida. 
So this is the whole deal was like, you've got to go and make a, an effort to travel and then they got cut off by COVID. So even though I've been working on this for a couple of years now, I still haven't been in a, in a, in a, uh, in a seance yet. And cause it's, in, I think you can point out that, uh, you know, if you look at um, who is it? Um, um, Stuart Alexander said they sat for 14 years or whatever it was before he had the first event had take place every week for 14 years. So these guys are rare. They're not like, uh, you know, trans mediums and stuff like that. These are very rare guys that take a lot of, a lot of work to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, it really does. And that commitment is something that was much easier to make in the uh, 17th century when all you had was, you know, fire and coffee and some tobacco and, yeah. you know, and you could sit around in dark because you're in the dark anyway. And, oh my gosh, maybe we'll try to, you know, contact dead mom or, or Aunt Harry or whomever it happens to be. And now that's just antithetical to the, to the way people live. So consequently, there's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. I've noticed that there's been a great deal of, of upsurge in physical mediumship in the interest in it. YouTube videos, that type of thing. Uh, you and I had Kai on before. It was well-received. There's also seemingly the d downside of it is, is that people are just not particularly interested in things that last any long period of time. And a seance is going, you're going to be in a seance for two hours. I've been in them up to four. Uh, and that's a long time to sit in the dark. And whether you're being entertained or whether you are being informed, it doesn't make any difference. And Kai is particularly bad because he always brings, he always makes us sit on these hard plank chairs that don't move around and whatnot. So you sit for four hours in a mediumship seance with that guy. And um, and it's a struggle sometimes to, to keep up with an interest in something for that long, even though there are dead people coming through all the time talking to you, Churchill, um, Yellow Feather, Indian, Red Indian natives. Uh, it's a really tremendously exciting environment, but nonetheless, it runs people over the edge. So I, I think that, you know, what we're going to start seeing, and I think we're seeing more of now, is, and, and I'll tell you who's doing a really good job of this, is Warren Kaler. You know, Warren is, is I haven't sat with Warren in a long time, but he's actually doing seance-like events on Facebook, where you can pay him a few bucks, and he'll sit, and he'll go into trance, and he may have some type of ectoplasmic face covering that'll change his appearance. He'll talk, he'll speak in different voices. They'll have different subjects that he'll speak about. And in a lot of ways, it has a very nice physical mediumship seance feel to it. This, I think, is kind of where that's going to go. I think more and more we're going to see this online type of stuff for all the reasons that physical mediumship is so solitary to itself. It's only in a few places. There's only a few people that do it. Now we have COVID and they can't travel, on and on and on. And, and then you have to get past a, a pretty select group of people who are running the seance to even get invited. Because it's, it's an environment where people can absolutely get killed in and have. So you have to be extremely careful from a liability standpoint, from a selection standpoint. The physical medium has to be involved. It's a really long ordeal to get just a seance, much less a weekend of seances done. So but talk about you this, can, this, you, you mentioned this uh, like with David Thompson, whether I was even going to get into the David Thompson thing 
because of the guy that controls it. So talk a little bit about the controls because people will say, oh, it's hoaxed or whatever. So go through the kind of stuff that, that these people like uh, Lee and these guys will do when you hold a seance to make sure that nothing funny is going on. Well, first of all, the, the seance room itself, even with David Thompson, he would sit with 30, 35, up, maybe up to 40 people at a time. Okay. But in order to get through the gate, to get an invitation to come, you have to know somebody to know somebody. Yeah. So they all started with small groups of say five or 10 or 15 people. And they would all have a brother or a sister, or they would all have somebody that they knew and trusted. And they would, they would go to bat for them and say, you know, bring Grant in, uh, bring Walter in, bring so-and-so because they understand this, they've studied, they've looked at it, they, they know what the protocols are, they know what to do, what not to do, what to expect, what not to expect. And, and the screening process is, is, is pretty rigid. So after a while, you end up with running out of seats because in a, in a Thompson seance, you may sit 35 or 40, but in a Kaimugi seance or a Warren Kaler seance, um, you're more likely to sit under 20. And that includes the circle master, his uh, the medium's wife, if he has one, or, or best friend or companion, whatever. So the first four or five seats are gone. And now you only got 10 left. And so you can be very um, selective as to who gets through that door so that there aren't any surprises. Uh, I, I was sitting in a, a physical seance meeting and finished afterward with Warren Sayer, and he went outside, and I went outside and said, Warren, what's the greatest thing that scares you about this? And he says, the fact that I feel out of control because I have to rely on everyone else to vouch for the people coming in. And I thought to myself, boy, that, that really is something. I've never thought of it like that. I have to, I'm putting my life on the line for a bunch of people that I really know only fairly well, if well at all. But, so consequently, you, you kind of end up with small groups of people that will get into these, these things and everybody knows how to act. Everybody's been instructed. Nobody gets through the door anymore. Um, oh, this is my first seance. Gosh, this could be fun. What's going to happen? Doesn't work. We do even stop doing the pre-seance routines and saying, okay, here's what we're going to do and all this. Because everybody's been there and knows it. And if they haven't, they should. And if they don't know it, they won't get in. Talk about the danger. We talk about this danger. Maybe people really don't realize this thing about the ectoplasm. Yeah. And, and yeah, I don't want to overplay this because personally, I've never seen anybody harmed by it. But I've read the stories, and I know about the Helen Duncans, who had ectoplasmic retraction because the police invaded one of her seances while she was a physical medium. It retracted, pulled all that stuff on the floor and everything back into her gut. Two weeks later, she was dead. So we have the we have the knowledge that this can happen. But what happens basically is this: ectoplasm is this extrusion that comes out of the physical medium's body. It can come from anywhere. Uh, it can come from anywhere there's an opening in the body, ear, eyes, nose, throat, etc. Uh, it can come from places that are not open to the body, neck, under the armpits, and between the legs. And it has several qualities that are consistent. And one of those is its photophobia, that is its ability to be unable to process light. One of the reasons seances are in the dark 
is because ectoplasma has little to no, depending on the physical medium, little to no ability to do what it wants to do, which is materialize things in physical sounds with being under light. So if you happen to be in a, a dark or all lights out, and I mean literally all lights out, physical sounds, and somebody throws a light on, that ectoplasm is going to, is going to return finally back into the physical mediumship, uh, uh, medium's body. And that's the danger. The danger that somebody will stick their feet out into the middle of a physical mediumship seance circle when the ectoplasm is extruding and running along the floor, perhaps to go over and tap somebody else or to create a physical um, a seance animal. Whatever, it's non-touching and it cannot be uh, exposed to light except under special circumstances. This is the danger. And this is why it is absolutely necessary that everybody coming in understands what's going on, understands the dangers, and understands the protocols, and understands how to conduct themselves. Uh, what, what, what amazes me by this whole thing is if, if, if what's happening is happening, there's something wrong with our, our idea of the material world. That this stuff should not be happening. So can you talk a little bit about um, the New York Times reporter, Leslie Kane, and what she's done? I think she's really moved this along beyond just sort of stories where she's basically backing this and has actually done a TV series on this. Yeah, and you tell you, you know, we were talking about one way physical mediumship is getting a lift in attention in other ways, you know, it's... it's having its problems. But Leslie's probably done more for physical mediumship as far as exonerating it as well as publicizing it than anybody. I mean, when you run it in the New York Times, you know you're gonna get X millions number of readers. Um, she's already got a great reputation. So we couldn't have had a better person to do those kinds of things and be involved in those kinds of things. And by the way, her, her involvement in physical mediumship is not a one and done. She's been in several seances, and uh, I have her on a very short list I'd like for her to bring down to, to come into Florida with us when we have our seance together. Uh, but she's been with Kai. I believe she's been with Warren Kaler as well. Uh, I think she's been with Stuart. I'm almost positive. She's Stuart's her main guy, yeah. Stuart's her main guy, right. Yeah. And uh, there's probably one or two others. So she's been around the block, and she's she's been there enough to know that if there's any real hanky painting going on in there, she's, that's what she does for a living. She's an investigative journalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's, this isn't the kind of person you invite, like Kai Moody. Kai invited her to say, oh, she took him up on it. Well, you don't invite your investigative journalist from the New York Times to come to your seance if you have any idea that you want to be considered legitimate unless you're legitimate. And that's what you want. Just come see what happens here. Let's discuss this. I think she's done a great job, and and I hope there's more of that. And I hope we can be uh, participants and, and bring forward more people to come forward to uh, to our celebrity sounds when we get around to having it. April of next year, tentative day. Yeah, talk a little bit about what you're going to do and who you're going to bring in, and maybe we can start getting into who are some of the main characters around the world who are, are doing physical mediumship and a little bit about them and who they are. Well, I want to do it with Kai Mookie as a physical medium. 
And it's not because I dislike any of the other fiscal media. It's just Kai has the most complete package. He's, as you know, he's interesting. He speaks fluent English, even though he's Austrian. Um, he's been around the world. He knows how to travel. He knows how to, to, to run in uh, a pre-seance as well as a post-seance discussion. Uh, his wife is uh, also a very interesting person, Julia. So consequently, we have you know, a, a real opportunity if we can get him over to the States here to bring him in as, uh, I would say, the most uh, phenomenal of the fiscal meetings. His phenomena that he produces is the, the most um, outstanding of all the fiscal meetings. And again, cutting no one else short on that. Because every fiscal meeting has their own set of things that they bring to the table. So we want to bring Kai in, and we want to bring in people who have both an interest in fiscal meetings, but also those that don't. I'd like to bring in people from other parts of the industries, from even the sports industry, from um, even the skeptics and cynics side of the thing. Bring them all in so that we can have a week of discussions, table tipping with Kai, uh, seances with Kai, uh, and, and be able to discuss these things uh, to get all the different points of view from them. And again, one of the prerequisites is they bring some viewership, they bring some readership to the table. Now you've got 30, 40,000 YouTube subscribers, Grant. You know, you put six Grant Camerons in there, you all of a sudden you got potentially 120, 150,000 views coming of this. And I think this would be something that would really interest people because it's so esoteric, it's so different. So that's what I'm hoping to do. I, I'm trying to make contact with people like Peyton Manning, who went to the same school that I did, University of Tennessee. So I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody that is going to come here has to be, you know, an A1 uh, celebrity with, you know, multiple uh, potentials for viewership, but I'd like to, to push that envelope a little bit so that physical mediumship as an art form, as an extraterrestrial and a spirit communication, and as a, as you said, an absolutely glaring example that we haven't got a clue what's going on. We just don't have a clue. And if you go inside of saying you come out and go, oh, I got all that figured out. You're either a liar or a fool, and it's one of the two. And let me just say something about that. You mentioned this before, and I was thinking about this. There are things that we know a lot of things up about in physical reality. And those things that we know a lot of things about, well, that's good. We don't know everything about those things, but let's call that subject A, because subject A, we all know a lot about. Then there's subject B. We don't have a clue about any of this. It's just like, we're not even on the fringes of understanding this. And as you get through some of the extraterrestrial communication, they're constantly telling you, well, you know, that's a pretty good idea there, but ain't the way it really works. I'll give you a perfect example. We put together physical reality in a concurrent form. That is, my words follow concurrently. You understand what they say. Time clicks off second after second, da 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 right? Okay. That's not the way it works for the remainder of the universe. For the remainder of the multiverses, there is no concurrency. They just go from one thing to another. Doesn't make any difference to them. 
everything's in the now anyway. So we live in this extremely restricted environment. And it's funny, it's like sitting in a can, looking out the top and going, I understand the entire universe because I can see parts of it. (laughs) It really is. And you're absolutely right. And one of the things physical mediumship will do is it will maybe not necessarily convince you that your grandmother was talking to you in that physical mediumship session. That may not happen, but you will no way and no turn will you walk out of there thinking you know everything anymore because there are too many things that are absolutely unexplainable. Yeah, the, the one example I brought up before just blows me away. And I did get the chance to interview Leslie Kane, and that was, I said, I want to know about the hand. And she describes this thing where this sort of watery stuff is coming across this table. She's sitting at this table and this thing turns into a hand. And she said, it is is as real as any hand you'll ever feel. She could feel the bones, the knuckles. Uh, The skin was very soft, like a baby's had temperature and it bangs on the table and then just sort of goes back into this water and disappears under the table as she's sitting right beside. And and that kind of stuff, when, when you see that, then you realize if we could figure that out, maybe we start to understand what's actually going on instead of making a bunch of assumptions. Because, you know, it does really throw everything. What are some of the things that, that Kai does that he, he'll do manifestations? He does something that always interests me is the apportation, the, the manifestations and the apports and stuff like that. Can you talk about those kind of things? Yeah, he's, I tell you, matter of fact, it's funny you mentioned that. I don't know why. I'll find it here in a second, but I'll I'll show you three apports that came out of Kai's eye. If I can find them. Oh. there they are, there they are. I, I keep these on my desk here for some reason. I have no idea. Wow. But can you see those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are three, and they're hard as as rocks. They're crystal like. They came out of his eye. Yeah, it's on the it's on. If you look up under Kai Mugi on YouTube, you will find those things dropping out of his eye. And when they drop out of his eyes, they first form, it's kind of like a liquid capsule. And you can, I mean, you can sit there and he pulls his eye down. You can see the thing forming up and go plunk and drop on the floor. We've had him drop out of the ceilings. I've had him drop and hit me in the head. I've been hitting the head with some pretty large things, which is not a whole lot of fun. But, uh, but yeah, he, he does the, the application thing. Um, I think probably better or as well as anybody that, that I have seen. It's really fun to watch too, but honest to God, when you're watching these rocks start to come, you think this has got to hurt. There's no pain involved either. And so that's kind of one of the other things. How in the world can he go through something like that? His eyes are bloodshot. He's got this rock coming out of the corner of his eye. It's, you know, that by the time it comes out, it's hard. And yet he has no pain for me. That's another one of those improbable probabilities. Yeah. I mentioned to, uh, I was talking about the DNA experiment with Leslie and she just said, well, you know, she didn't, she really didn't go along with it. And she was asking like, how would I get Kai's DNA? And it's like, well, all the stuff's coming out of his mouth and his eyes. I mean, it's going to be all covered with DNA. And so this is the, the thing that people have to realize is that he, and he, he started just with one or two, but now it's apparently it's like 40 a session or something where these things are coming out of his mouth and his eyes and stuff yeah. like that. And when yeah. you see that kind of stuff, and the physical, he does the physical manifestations where he has 
uh, full body manifestations and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that's true. Warren Kaler, by the way, speaking of, uh, of apports, he'll sit there and vomit apports into a, and I say vomit, it's probably not the right word, expulse apports out of his mouth. And he'll do it into a metal pan. It just sounds like it's raining on a metal roof. If there's so many coming out. Uh, Kai's, um, Kai has really moved his mediumship somewhat away from apportation, although I, I still think it's one of the most interesting thing, things he's done. And he's finding himself more and more in contact with extraterrestrial, wow. uh, yeah, including Toph. Yeah, including Toph, P-T-A-H, um, which I have a particular affiliation with because I'm originally from Memphis and Ta is, is one of the ancient Egyptian Memphian uh, considered um, uh, mystics of the day which may have been physical mediumship. I mean, we don't really know where physical mediumship started. It just all of a sudden, there it was with the Fox sisters back in whenever it was, mid-1700s, and they're hearing raps up in New York, and next thing you know, spiritualism, the, the, the practice, the religion of spiritualism is born, and physical mediumship is now transported internationally. It's funny because it's, it's the last place it seems <laughs> to find its home is here in America where it originally had its home. But that's that seems to be the case. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about, um, for this the end of this session, and maybe we'll do one more session while we're here. Uh, talk a little bit about um, some of the ones that bring in the uh, musicians, the famous musicians, and the story with your wife. What was that story? You had one where... Was it John Lennon or who was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's still one of my favorite stories. And, and my wife loves for me to tell it because then she can always tell me how I told her wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> and she's not in here right now. So I don't think. Does your wife come to all the seances with you? Does she follow most as of much them. as you do? Yeah. Most of them. She can't do most of them. And then she stopped. And, and we kind of had a conversation about that. And I'm not going to get too far off from the question. We kind of had a conversation about that. And I think she hit her shock threshold. You know, she hit her, as you call it, she hit her wow threshold. <laughs> and it was sort of like, I don't need to see that again, and I don't want to see that again, kind of thing. But she, we were sitting in seance with Warren, I think. I think it was Warren Keeler. And um, it was not unusual in seance that they'll put a seat up next to the cabinet. The cabinets were the physical medium sits. It's an enclosed blacked out area in there where you can't, he's tied to his chair so he can't move around and cheat and fraud and all that other stuff. And and she gets called to the to the seance for thing. So you know you're making your way in the dark and you're like a bowl, you know, and you're trying not to step on everybody. And you finally get there and you sit down. And uh, the circle leader was right next to her. And he reaches over to flip on his uh, CD boombox because there's always music, keeps the vibration up, the energy up, people sing together, have fun. Yeah, it's just a fun environment. And so you, you know, you're doing that, and you're singing together. Well, he, he throws his boombox on, and, and we're going to have another song to sing, you know. And the song is Imagine. And uh, just as soon as the song comes on, um, you hear this very faint but extremely distinct voice singing song imagine and it's john lennon's voice now is it john lennon is it a spirit of john lennon somebody's fooling us 
I couldn't tell you that. But I'll tell you what, when she put her his hands on her shoulders and started singing the words to imagine, the pin dropped in the place. And he only went through about, oh, maybe three or four verses, stanza or so. And then he started to fade out. Typical of a new spirit trying to get his uh, vibrations in line with the seance. And uh, my understanding is that John's doing a better job now, you know, in, in coming through. It was 30 seconds, but it was absolutely magnificent, 30 seconds. And afterwards, I went to uh, the circle leader and said, uh, did you put that on on purpose? The song imagined. He says, I can't even see my dials, much less what I'm putting on. I just poke the play button and it goes. So somehow Spirit had taken that CD and moved it over 50 songs, different songs, and moved it to the place where as soon as he hit the play button, it started. Otherwise, coincidentally, it's improbable, highly improbable. That's this week's episode of the Paranormal UFO Consciousness Podcast. I'm your host, Grant Cameron, hoping that you will join me for upcoming episodes. Links to my YouTube interviews, books, and my Facebook sites are in the show notes. If you love the podcast or learn something valuable, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give a review on today's episode. If you would like a certain paranormal subject dealt with in the future, please let us know. Until next time, watch this space, and thank you so much for listening.